What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here, NJ.com, here at Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles just lost to the Minnesota Vikings, 23-21. They're now 2-3 and three on the season. It was their first meaningful loss at Lincoln Financial Field, really in a couple years. They lost once last year at the Link against the Cowboys in Week 17. I'm here with Mike Kay. Uh, the Eagles are, are in bad shape right now. I mean, this this is not where... We knew this was a tough stretch, but I don't think anyone expected them to come out of this 2-3, and three, especially with Carson Wentz was the quarterback in two of the three losses. Like, this this is just not where I saw the season going. You know, Zach, it's not panic time, but it's close. I mean, we're getting there. Uh, this is a situation where this Eagles team can't stay out, get out of its own way. Um, the offensive line played really poorly in the first half. Carson Wentz did not look sharp. He was missing wide-open receivers uh, from a vision standpoint. Uh, didn't look like he was connecting – well with anybody outside of Zach Ertz for long periods of time. Alshon Jeffrey didn't play up to kind of his, he had one big play. Um, Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar were pretty much non-existent. This offense, look, you can talk about the defensive struggles all you want. This offense is torpedoing this season. They did it with Nick Foles. They did it with Carson Wentz. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. They have just stopped and started, stopped and started, stopped and started throughout this this five-game season, and they can't get, even when they get off to a good start, like against Indianapolis, they got off, they had that perfect drive, and then they stalled. They have not scored over 23 points in five games. This isn't a Doug Peterson-style offense. Doug Peterson's even making boneheaded play calls or questionable play calls, whatever you want to call it. The offense is the problem here. The defense has done its job at several key moments during the season and the offense has come up short time and time again early on in games created there's a way to get yourself in a hole without being in a hole in the scoreboard not taking advantage of good opportunities for instance let's let's talk about the the two the one play that sticks out to me is the jhi fumble in the red zone this they were they had all the momentum in the world like that was a great drive to start the first half and you know, they they had the running backs really involved after not using them at all in the first half. Ajayi fumbles. You know, it, it, it took away points from them. And the difference was... Yeah, they were 20, at the 6-yard line. Right. It, the, the final score read 23-21. If they get a field goal there, maybe this is a different record. Maybe this is a different game. Then on top of that, you talk about the mistakes made by... Uh, the offensive line, Carson Wentz was hit several times during the first half. Lost. I mean, there were times where he had to hurry so much he couldn't make a second read. Uh, Lane Johnson, for the second straight week, gets beat in uh, beat by a, an opposing we're, defensive lineman. Well, we'll go. We'll go. We'll analyze like specifically how guys did uh, in a little bit. I, th- I think we should let's jump on a few of the the main plays that I think were the turning points in this game. I, you, you mentioned the JJ fumble. That was that was bad. I think the blocking was bad on that one. Jason Kelsey even took some responsibility right. after the game. Um, the when Lane Lane you were you were touching on this just now. J- Lane Johnson gave up a sack. I forget what the player's name was on the Vikings. Uh, Stephen Weatherly, yeah, very Steven good Weatherly. defensive end, but he's a backup defensive end. Beat him inside. This is the second straight week that Lane Johnson's given up given up a big stat, uh, sack that's stalled momentum. Not only did it stall momentum, the ball came loose. Uh, Linval Joseph returned the most effortless big man touchdown I think I've ever seen. I mean, Isaac Suomalo did nothing to prevent that from happening. And he was on top of him when he caught the pass. So, 
you know, that's seven points there. Then they cost themselves seven points with the Ajayi fumble. Those two turnovers are huge in this game. I mean, it's, it's just so strange how Lane Johnson has been the one giving up those plays especially. But that that really – I mean, that that probably was the game-winning play if you think about it, honestly. Um, maybe less serious than, than those, but still I think had a big impact. I think it kind of sucked the momentum the Eagles defense was kind of starting to get. Was a play, There was a play in the first half – I think it was the first half. Michael Bennett got a really good sack on uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean, really good. He like literally like dragged him down slowly. It was like the most slow motion sack ever. He he got, he got him from his legs, which I guess is why they called a roughing the passer penalty. Everybody was up in arms. You could the guys in the locker room said they didn't feel like that was a penalty after the game. It kind of goes with the whole narrative that the NFL is kind of making it impossible for the defense to even rush the quarterback anymore. And it that after that play I mean that's a 15 yard penalty that put them right in the in the thick of the the Eagles territory they scored a touchdown two plays later all of a sudden the Eagles are down in the hole I 17 3 17 to 3 was that the 17 and 3 yeah and I mean it, it maybe not that play specifically isn't the reason why they lost the game but like there was that clearly sucked some energy out of that defense cuz they they were really happy with that they had they had nine pressures today but only got Kirk Cousins down once it should have been twice with that and who knows you know, if the floodgates start opening up, because the Vikings don't have a very good offensive line. They lost their right tackle. I'm not sure if he returned. Riley, no, Riley Reif. No. Reef, Reif. But, I mean, that, that that just goes into this whole controversial thing the NFL is doing right now, trying to protect the quarterbacks. It seems to have helped other teams more than the Eagles so far. That's not on purpose or anything, but I, th- that was a play that stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about some of the plays that Carson wasn't able to make because he didn't see guys wide open. There was a third down play where Nelson Aguilar was so wide open. He could have run to the, he could have walked to the end zone um, or at least the first down. Uh, They were at midfield and he uh, targeted Alshon Jeffrey across the middle. They weren't able to connect. The ball was off the mark. Look, the defense took the flack for the Titans game. I still think the ownership goes to the offense partially in that game. This game was about the offense because... I mean, the Vikings only scored 23 points. That's not right. much. You know, I mean, you can't... What more do you want from the... I mean, and really, the offense only scored uh, 16 points, if you really think about it. So, look, this wasn't a great showing by the defense, but the offense really needs to start taking ownership of all the. I mean, look, twenty three point. If you're if you're scoring less than twenty three points, you're putting your defense in a, in a predicament. No matter how good they are, even when the defense has some great moments. Now, now on the defensive side, they've struggled to create turnovers. The Eagles are constantly losing the turnover battle. They're not getting the ball back for their offense. They have one of the worst differentials in the league right now. Right, and so you know Carson Wentz has coughed up the ball twice. In the last two games, this overall group is just really frustrating. I think. The, I mean, the, that's the word for this team right now: frustration. Because I, it's it's another situation where Jim Schwartz mentioned how they're they're one play away from uh, three and one, two plays away from zero and four. Like it's it's still the same. You still can say the same thing. They lost by two points, despite all these mistakes we're talking about. Like that that just goes to show you, like they're they're just making the mistakes that they didn't, weren't making last year. Like this just. It's, I think it's time we return the page and just realize, like, this is not the, the team from last year. That's just the reality. The offense is a problem right now. The defense has a lot of issues, though I think they're still – the defense is okay. They have problems. I think a lot of it has to do with depth. They don't have great depth on the defense. They didn't have Derek Barnett and Haloni Nada tonight, so they had to play Trayvon Hester and Josh Sweat probably more than they should have played. But, 
I mean, I'm concerned. I mean, they have a short week. They play the Giants who are coming off a close loss. They might be highly motivated. The divisional games are always hard. And then after that, it doesn't get any easier. you got the Panthers and the Jaguars coming up. Yeah, this is not a fun stretch for them. This should have been a game that, at home, they really should have taken advantage of. Dan Bailey bailed them out twice by missing two chip shot field goals, and they couldn't take advantage of that. Um a low-key frustrating point outside of this game but still impacting this game is the Eagles have taken on so many numbers on offense because of all these injuries that defensively they're shorthanded. Ronald Darby went out of the game for a few plays. Rasul Douglas was their only option to put out there in nickel because Avante Maddox is now your starting free safety. And they, and they decided I, not to sign any other safeties. Right. Yeah. Who? And I will say this. I thought Avante Maddox played very, very well on defense and special teams. I think – we'll come up with the studs and duds tomorrow, but, or Monday, I just, the defense played really well in the second half. This is on the offense. This is on the offense. I mean, they held the Vikings to six points in the second half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, again, the offense only scored 10 points in the first half. You know, it's one of those things where, it's easy to pick on the defense because you'll see Jalen Mills give up the occasional or or sometimes the frequent big play. You'll see he Ronald gave one Darby up to Adam Thielen today, yeah. right? And you know, I talked to Malcolm Jenkins after the game, and he said, "You know what? I got to get a better rush on the quarterback for that." He, Malcolm Jenkins said he thought that both Mills and Maddox played very, very well in this game. Uh, Mills had three pass breakups on third down. I think each of them was on third down. So I thought Mills had a bounce back game. Corey Graham barely played, and when he did, he suffered a, a minor injury, I believe. Look, there are good things about this team, and you're seeing a lot of guys get playing time that normally wouldn't, but there's injuries, and so they're starting to develop a little slowly. That's the positive. Another positive is they have no time to dwell on this loss, and they can move on to the Giants, which we'll get into probably later in the week. But, look, the the positive here to me is they came back in the second half, 18 to six in the second half. Maybe that jolts them into some momentum moving forward. Yeah. I think, you know, you talked a little about the corners. We can start from there. We, we evaluate by position, by position, by position. I think we should, we can touch on that right now. Um, Mills had that, gave up that big play quite notably over the next two plays. He shut them down. They were able to keep them at a field goal. This, on the last play of that drive on a third down, he stopped Adam Thielen, and then he started jawing at him and talking trash. And you saw this moment where Fletcher Cox just kind of showed why they made him a captain this year. And he literally shoved Mills to the sideline to get him to stop doing it. It was to get him off the field so they didn't get a penalty. Mil- Mills has a tendency to like celebrate in moments when he probably shouldn't be celebrating and talking trash when he's not exactly a guy who really can be doing that right now. And I, that was a cool moment. Maybe cool is not the right word, but I think it was a real leadership moment for Fletcher Cox to do that. They 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 were fine after the game. They they spoke on the sideline, but Jalen Mills he he had he had a pretty good game honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I thought he I had mean, a pretty good game. Yeah. He had a few pass breakups as you said. He was he was pretty good at tackling. Ronald Darby showed some progress in tackling because he'd been pretty bad so far this mm-hmm. season. I mean they weren't perfect, but Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen like they're gonna get theirs. They're good receivers. Kirk Cousins get the ball out quickly. The Eagles pass rush wasn't getting there quite quickly enough. So I, I think the corners you, you can be okay with, but I th- I am concerned about the depth now that you have Avante Maddox as a full-time safety. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of speechless with how they've handled the depth. You know, Haloti Nada didn't play in this game. They went with three defensive tackles. 
Only one of them is Fletcher Cox. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the defensive end group, they went with seven defensive linemen in this game, which is not all Ideal. that typical, uh, especially for a team that rotates and does platoons on the defensive line. I thought the linebackers played pretty well. Um, look, Jordan Hicks is a great blitzer. Uh, I thought he played well in this game. Nigel Brown had the huge play that led to no points, uh, the the dropped lateral that he was able to recover. I thought that was a huge play in the game that the Eagles' offense predictably couldn't take advantage of, even though they were in the red zone. Uh, the uh, intentional grounding penalty on Carson Wentz really bit them there. Um, and it could have been the difference in this game, one of the big differences in this game. Defensive line, I thought they played well. They got regular pressure. Uh, Chris Long got uh, a couple pressures early on. Mike Bennett, obviously. I th- with Chris Long, I, th- I think he, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have the athleticism to like close out rushes anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's getting to the quarterback, but he's just not finishing it because he's just not quick enough to get. And there's one which play- is still valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still valuable, but they need someone who gets there because that's kind of been the issue. And there was one player where Kirk Cousins uh, like pump faked, and he like completely right. bit on it when he would have had an easy sack. I mean, that's he's uh, probably taught that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably we're probably supposed to jump at that. Michael Bennett, he, he looked really good at the start of the game, and he kind of you know, I didn't hear from him very much. That's kind of later. been his mo yeah. lately. Maybe that's why he's a part time guy with this team. And Brandon Graham opened up with probably the best stretch he's had all season. Mm-hmm. He had a pass deflection that forced a fourth down, and he had a, his first sack of the year, which is big. It was the only sack the Eagles had on the night. Considering they didn't have and they didn't have depth at all to speak of, I think you can come out of it feeling pretty good about the defensive line. And so, yeah, and for what it's worth, before we move on, yeah. uh, Trayvon Hester and Josh Sweat, I got to look at the tape, but both looked pretty good in run stopping in this game. So I think that that's a positive to take away. Again, you're seeing guys develop in roles that they normally wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, we touched on the offensive line. I think it's worth talking about a little bit more. Um, it, it's a problem. Like it, it's gotten to the point where like Lane Johnson looked like a bigger issue than Isaac Samalo by the end of the night. Like, Samalo started off struggling. I don't think we – after that, like, his first drive, he was bad. He and was horrible. Then that year, th- nice. Yeah, he was. Uh, he let up a sack. He got bull rushed. But after that, I don't think we really heard from him as much. Uh, I mean, he wasn't good. He wasn't, I'm not saying he was good. I'm just – my point being, Lane Johnson had a bad game. Yeah, I don't know what, what's up with him lately. It it's could weird. Be, he's not getting a lot of help. Uh, he, you know. That strip sack was all him, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He, he he lost at an inside move. But this is a guy that you're used to, like, not having to worry about sacks or pressures at all. Uh, he had an incredible – you could argue he was the best right tackle in football last year, if not one of the top three ta- offensive tackles in general. I wanted to touch on Samalu because – Samalu because a lot of people question that decision of doing this in this game, and I completely buy that. But if the logic was, you know what, long term, we think that uh, Isaac gives this team a better shot than Wisniewski and Wisniewski is struggling, then you want to do this now so that way he's ready for the Giants game and he's actually got some stuff. Remember, you're going to have a short week going into that Giants game. So I understand the logic of using this week to, to do it. To make a change. Yeah. To make a change. Um, remember, he's – he look, also Jason Peters – He's better than Halapulivati Vaitai, right? But, but he's not, not Jason Peters, right? Jason Peters, it kind of looks like a shell of himself. There, he's leaving games in the middle of it. I mean, the, and you're and you're seeing like 
even Jason Peters at his not his best is still better than Vita. Vita comes in for a play, gives up a sack. So like right. left tackle is kind of an issue right now. Yeah, it's a major issue. And you know what? That's that's a thing that again you've all this money. You want Peters to retire here. He's earned that right. But but you've invested a ton of money into him that you couldn't invest elsewhere. And I think that that might turn out to be a, uh, a really costly mistake, if not. Uh, showing you a lack of foresight. Uh, he is a guy that is regularly injured now that he's later in years. But he's moving 36 on, years old, yeah. Moving on from that, I want to talk about the one position that did win the day, in my opinion, tight end. Mm. Zach Ertz is... He's is, amazing. Zach Ertz... I don't think people realize how good Zach... Zach Ertz was targeted 11 times. He caught 10 passes. He is so automatic for this offense. He's had almost ten catches every week. Right, this guy's on pace for like the Eagles have a never had, the Eagles have never had a hundred yard catch, hundred yard pass catcher, and he's gonna soar past that. I think he legit based on just these five games, he has a case as the best tight end in the NFL right oh, now. Oh, without a question, like, he's gonna be an All Pro. There, yeah. There's no question in my mind. And he scored his first touchdown today. Uh, Dallas Goddard did a really good job as a blocker in this game, at least from the snaps that I was able Still to Still not target him enough, I think. but Right, he had two catches for 16 yards. Um, listen, I, I feel like we could have a whole podcast talking about how good Zach Ertz is. That said, let's move on. We have been talking about this for three weeks. Get Sheldon Gibson involved. Well, you saw what happens when you get Sheldon Gibson involved. Got a 48-yard. And then they didn't look at him ever again. Right. Well, I think I think they have packages. Like, a lot of what teams will do is if they have a speed-deep threat, they'll have, like, maybe five plays for him in a game. And if they get to him, they'll get to him. Listen, Carson Wentz didn't throw a great ball. That was not a great downfield throw. Gibson had to kind of look back and play center field there a little bit. Uh, he had to leap for it. It was impressive. Strong catch. Gibson's a guy you got to see involved more. If you're going to keep him on the roster, when you're keeping six wide receivers and five running backs, you have to use him. It makes He's their only deep threat they have. Clearly, Nelson is not Nelson Aguilar right. is not they that. They don't view them as, I, as it that. It boggled my mind that he had that play, which is impressive. Like, he did most of the work on it, really. Right. And they just didn't look at him ever I don't he that was the only target today now I think moving forward maybe they look at the tape and they say you know what we've got to get him more involved he's shown that he can do it a one catch his only catch has gone for 48 yards like Jordan yards, Matthews is, it ain't going deep like well, I don't get right. why he, well, like, he play, passed for four yards today so <laughs> like play him over Jordan Matthews like Jordan Matthews is bringing nothing to this offense I'm sorry uh, you know and he started the game and um that was that and that's interesting Alshon <laughs> didn't have as great of a game as you no, would have he thought was, he would have he had he had one really good I think 31 yard catch yeah where he other than that he had one catch on seven targets I believe like that's kind of the ratio he's going with last year a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh, when he was like struggling to get gro- grooving with uh, Carson Wentz I mean he looked really good last week you don't expect that week to week maybe this was just a bad night for him you kind of hope yeah. but they can't really get that kind of performance out of him right I agree um Moving forward to the running backs, we, we've talked about it a little bit. That Smallwood catch for a touchdown was really, really impressive. It reminded me, you remember the, the I think it was against, I'm trying to remember who it was against, but Carson was in the red zone getting absolutely manhandled, and he threw a pass off his back foot, and it hit Corey Clement for a touchdown. That's what it kind of reminded me of as Clement was being thrown out of bounds. Uh, look, Wendell Smallwood deserves some some respect on his name as a receiver and a runner. He is not a good blocker. Um, that's been an issue. Corey Clement was active for this game. I don't think I saw him play a snap. Uh, I, I think he might. Wasn't he the one that got the two point conversion? 
I'll have to double check that. Keep talking while I look. Yeah, keep looking. Um, I mean, he is their two two point conversion beast. Never mind, it was Smallwood. Yeah, it was Smallwood. Yeah, thought... you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, so Clement was active only in name, really. Right, and b- before when we were all musing when he was ta- working out, uh, he was catching passes, so we assumed that he was going to be yeah. active. But he didn't practice all week, so I, I still would have been surprised. I mean, unless surprised. you need him, like, what's the point? Yeah. Josh Adams, though, that play call. It was To, um, to set it up, it was uh, in the first half, it was third down and three, I believe. And they ran it outside to Josh Adams, and he lost one yard. Like, they have Jay Jai, and Randall Small has been running the ball well, and they went to a guy who's not really known for running the ball outside. Like, I just did not – It just we're going to talk about Doug Peterson after we're finished evaluating the offense. I just, he just made a few calls like that, and I just don't understand what he was doing. You know, sometimes you could – I feel like when you're creative, sometimes you outthink yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug's a guy that seems to want to try a lot of things, and I can dig that uh, – that was not something you should have tried. No. Uh, that play is like a play you have in your playbook for Darren Sproles, and that's kind of what you do. Or Corey Clement. Um, look, Jay Ajayi. Uh, he was it, upset that – I mean, not upset. I, I talked to him after the game. He he mentioned how they didn't care they, – they had two carries in the first quarter, and I believe – They had five for 14 yards in the, in in the, the whole first half. Yeah, and, and the running backs in general, I think, only had 12 carries – and Ajayi said, like, I just don't understand that, and I think we all feel the same way. Like, that's kind of an Andy Reid <laughs> type type right, thing where they're yeah. just like, they have talented running backs who are running the ball pretty well. I know Ajayi's cl- – I don't think he's himself right now because of that back injury, mm-hmm. but, like, you need to be running the ball. In the, that Isaac Smalo, like, don't put him in a position to have to pass block for three straight plays to open the game when you're yeah, deep in your own territory. Like, you got to run the ball there. Like, yeah, I, I don't know, know what I, they saw on tape coming into this like, game. Like, you, you can't run – you can't pass the ball three straight times to start. Like, I just didn't understand that at all. Well, they had some mismatches. Like, there were times where Anthony Barr was on – Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz check out of it and immediately attack that mismatch. This was a very weirdly coached game. There was the 4th and 20 where Doug said that he was trying to draw them offside so they got an extra 5 yards so that Elliott could kick a field goal or they would just punt uh, with a uh, delay of game. (sighs) Doug Peterson to me is a rhythm coach. When things are going his way, he can really firing on all cylinders. Good yeah. game. When he when this team stops and starts, stops and starts, gets you know stunted by their own mistakes. He kind of struggles to adapt a little bit, and I'm wondering if that's what's happening here. I I know we've talked about this before, and it, we can only emphasize it so much. But I. I, I think we're really seeing that he's missing John DeFilippo, who outcoached him tonight, coaching oh, the Vikings sure, offense, yeah. and Frank Reich. Like that, you, clearly something is just different now when with between him and Mike Rowe and Press Taylor than with Frank Reich and uh, John DeFilippo, who are both like veteran coaches of football. Whereas Mike Rowe has co- been around a while, but he hasn't really had this much responsibility in his career outside of like a two-year stretch at Virginia in college. Press Taylor is, I don't even know if he's 30, is he 30 years old? Like, he's really young. He, he's pretty Nothing young. against me. I hear a lot of great things about him, but I just think there's just something different about the way this offense is flowing between their performance and the way they're calling the games. And I don't know, th- th- this offense stagnating is one of the bigger surprises of this this early part of the season. Well, listen, you know, it took a while for Reich and, and DiFilippo and, and Doug to find their, their mojo, too. I mean, 2016 was not an easy year for this franchise. 
uh, it was the start of something great, but again, you know, you've got a bunch, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of new guys in new positions. And again, I think they're overthinking a lot. There are some play, there are some judgment calls where I, it just kind of seems like they're getting too cute or they're, or they're just really trying to stump the other team as opposed to going with what works, you know, there's a reason why all these movie studios greenlight all of these superhero movies is because they go with their bread and butter. And it seems like the Eagles have gotten away from their outside zone and, and, you know, moving the ball around and their hurry up offense. And they almost never target down the field. They, yeah, they don't target down the field. They're not taking the right risks. Sometimes it seems look, Super Bowl hangovers are legitimate uh, for everybody but the Patriots. And and I'm kind of wondering, not if the success has gotten to their head, or or, I'm not trying to put anything on it that's not there, but sometimes when you you don't have a full offseason, sometimes when you have, you don't have a full offseason, you have so many changes, you only had so so many draft picks, your salary cap, was not very uh favorite it wasn't helpful. ideal it wasn't helpful it wasn't helpful look there's a lot that comes out of winning the super bowl i mean you're seeing a lot of these team playoff teams struggle you're seeing the falcons struggle you're seeing the seahawks struggle you're seeing i mean pretty much the out- packers got killed by the lions yeah you're the only teams that are really thriving right now are the los angeles rams and the kansas city chiefs even teams that are you know three and one or or, or four and one or what have you are struggling a little bit. Their close games is a very, very, very peculiar start to the season for a lot of teams. The NFC East is wide open, though. That's yeah, that's, let, a, that's one of the big things to to mention. I, think. I know this is the review show uh, or, or the the post game show, and we want to focus on that. But this is a quick week, so I don't know if we're going to get that middle of the week yeah, show yeah. in. This NFC East is awful. This is a terrible division right now. And so that's the solace you can take in in this loss. The Giants lost today. The, as we we're speaking right now, the Texans are, are leading the Cowboys. The Redskins play on, on Monday night against the Saints, who I think are the NFC favorite outside of the Rams. And the, and the Saints have struggled. So. The Saints have struggled. So, you know, you, you win this game. Against it's a long the season. You win this game against the Giants. The Carolina Panthers struggled against the Giants on today. Even though the Giants try to give them the game, I'm not. I I wouldn't worry about this upcoming matchup with the Giants. I wouldn't worry. I mean, about if the they game. lose it, then all of a sudden right. they're two and four going into two hard games. But yes, right. I, I I get what you're saying. I, the Jaguars had a really rough game against Kansas City. I, I there's room for optimism here. You have to finish. If you finish ten and six in this in this season, you're gonna win the NFC East running away i think you can even win it at nine and seven this is kind of reminding me of like the nfc west before p carroll and, and harbaugh got got to the division and it had its renaissance but like i said there's still reason for optimism the eagles did come back in the second half and play pretty good football it's just you have to be able to get going in this league if you set yourself up where you're not thriving on those first three drives. They punted their first two drives, and then they got a field goal on, on, on their third one. But by then, the Vikings had all the momentum. I mean, it, that's just what it is. So you set yourself up for failure if you're not having one of those drives like Carson did against the Colts in Week 3. 
All right, I think that's a good spot to end on. Uh, we'll we'll get another pod, at least one more. Pro- probably won't be able to pull off two this week uh, leading up to the game because it's a very short week. Uh, but, yeah, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, it was a tough loss, but as we said, we don't think the season's quite over yet. They, they still have some games they can win coming up. Uh, on that note, as always, make sure you subscribe. We're on all the apps, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, follow us on Twitter, send us a question, we'll, we'll, we'll try and answer it. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys.